Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year, and I'm so glad you've chosen to join us on campus or online for the new year, 2024. Anybody excited about 2024? All right, all right. How many of you are so glad 2023 is over? All right, welcome to 2024. All right, as we dive into this new series in this new year, let me tell you about this crazy experience I had a few years ago. So a few years ago, I was at my bank, I was going through the drive-through, doing some drive-through banking, and I could see several lanes over the ATM machine. At the ATM machine, there was one car there at the ATM machine and another car behind it. So as I was waiting for my banking to be finished, I just noticed that the car at the ATM pulled away and the car behind did not pull forward. So I just kind of glanced over every once in a while and thought, well, that's kind of strange. The closer I looked in the car, I saw the driver with her chin on her chest and she was slumped over a little bit. So I thought, well, this could be a problem. So I pulled around and I walked up to her window, which was down, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, are you okay? No response. I gently touched her shoulder. Ma'am, are you okay? No response. I tapped her on the forearm. Ma'am, are you okay? No response. I took her pulse. I got no pulse. Obviously, no response there. So I was a little concerned that we have a dead lady in the ATM line. So then all of a sudden, when I'm trying to figure out what to do next, she wakes up. <laughs> and she's got red eyes and confusion in her face. And so she's like looking around thinking, where am I? And she looks at me like, who are you? And why are you touching me? And she says, I'm fine. And she sped off. So I'm standing there going, what just happened? That was the weirdest thing ever. So I don't know what was going on in her world. I don't know if she had just gotten off of an overtime shift at work. I don't know if she was battling a medical issue. I don't know if she was on drugs. I have no idea what was going on in her world. But I know this. She was asleep at the wrong time. Like she needed to be awake because she was driving. So here's the connection for us in the new series that we're starting today called Wake Up. So I think a lot of us are like that woman. We've got some weird things happening in the world right now. Anybody feel like our world might be spiraling out of control a little bit anywhere? Okay, a few of us. So there's some weird things happening in our world. There's hatred like never, we've never seen before. There's division, there's confusion. There are people saying, hey, this thing that many of us know is wrong. There are people saying that is right. Uh, there are, are some people saying, you know, the stuff that, that we know is right, they're saying, no, no, that's wrong. So we've got some, so much confusion out there about what is right and about what is wrong. We're seeing people do things today I think most of us would never think we'd see in our entire lives. And it's not something they're doing quietly, something they're doing very publicly. So our world feels like it's falling apart. And as it's falling apart, many of us, Christ followers included, are asleep at the wheel. Like we're asleep and, and we're not really paying attention to what's going on around us. And maybe we're asleep because either we're too busy, maybe it's because we're too distracted, maybe it's because we don't really know what to do, or maybe it's because we don't care. 
about the world around us. None of those responses are the response that God wants for us as his followers. So we need to wake up spiritually and engage the world around us. That, interestingly enough, is the challenge that the Apostle Paul gave to a church 2,000 years ago. He gave this challenge to Christians in the ancient city of Rome. Listen to what he said in Romans 13, 11. He said, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Now, the Greek word that the Apostle Paul used that gets translated into wake up for us in English is the word agiro. And agiro has several different meanings. It has the literal meaning of waking up from being asleep. And then it has several figurative meanings. Figuratively, it means waking up from confusion to clarity and from inactivity to activity. So we're gonna explore these two figurative meanings today. And if you are a Christ follower, I am so glad you're here because I'm gonna challenge you today in really living your faith out. I'm gonna challenge myself as well in really living our faith out before a world that feels like it's falling apart. If you aren't a Christ follower, I'm gonna challenge you today. I'm gonna challenge you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna explain why that is so important. And I think today's message just might be the most important message you've ever heard in your life. So I think all of us need to stay awake and lean in a little bit today as we're learning together. We good with that? Great. This side is great with that. This side, you got to wake up, okay? <laughs> All right, so first, Paul wanted the Romans to wake up from confusion to clarity. He said, time is running out, so wake up because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The day of salvation is almost here. Now, the day of salvation can mean several different things. It actually has a present tense form and a future tense form. The present tense form is like when someone, like the, the 80 people through our Christmas services who put their faith and trust in Jesus, that moment that they put their faith and trust in Jesus, that was their day of salvation. The Apostle Paul says in another letter to the Corinthians, he says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he says, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the right time for salvation. So that's the present tense. The future tense part of that is the day of Christ's return. So they are both connected. So the Bible teaches that one day Jesus will come back. Anybody excited about Jesus coming back? Yeah. So Jesus is the only one who can fix all the stuff that we've messed up in this world. And scripture says he is gonna come back one day and we should be excited about that. And as he comes back, he will save his followers and he will judge the world. So listen to what the Bible says about that. Hebrews 9.27 says, each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. So you have an appointment with death. 
I have an appointment with death. We don't know when it is. Only God knows when that is. Could be today, could be 10 years from now, could be 40 years from now, no idea. But God knows that each of us have an appointment with death and after that comes judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. And then Romans 2.16 says, the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Doesn't that sound so exciting? <laughs> like, can't you just wait for Jesus to come back and for your secret life to be judged? Anybody want that to happen today? Not me, not any of us. But none of us will avoid that because we will each stand before God and give an account of our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us why we will be judged in Romans chapter 3. In verse 23, he says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So sin is anything that's big or small that hurts our relationship with God. And all sin separates us from God. And Paul was very clear. All of us have done that. We all have sinned. Big confession. I have sinned. Shouldn't be a shocker to anybody. I've sinned. You've sinned. Billy Graham sinned. Mother Teresa sinned. Like everybody who's ever lived on this planet or who will ever live on this planet has sinned except God the Son, Jesus who came and became flesh and walked among us, 100% God, 100% man. He lived a perfect life on our behalf. So the rest of us, we have sinned. We've fallen sh short of God's glorious standard. And sin is such a bad thing that Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, he says the wages or the penalty for sin is, what's that next word? Death. Death. That's another exciting thing, isn't it? To think, hey, the stuff that we've done that's wrong deserves death. Now, some of you might mentally push back. And this is where some non-Christians say, well, I don't agree with that. That's offensive. Like, I've never done anything that would be so bad that would deserve death. And so that's where some people say, you know what? I don't know that I can become a Christ follower because of that radical thought. But it's not a complete thought. And we have to understand what comes Next, okay? The truth is, we do deserve to die for the sin that we've committed in our lives that separates us from the God who loves us deeply. But again, before we reject that truth, listen to what God did. Romans 5 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So the amazing truth is God loves us so much he sent Jesus to die in our place. So God set a law that none of us could live up to. God set a law that none of us could live up to and a penalty for not living up to that law. And we go, that's not fair. But guess what? God's the only one who had to pay the price for that law. He's the only one. He set the law. He paid the price for that law by sending his son to die 
in our place so that we wouldn't have to. So we deserve to die, yet God died for us. God didn't do that when we were so sorry for our sin. God didn't do that when we were trying really hard to to fix what we had messed up. God did that when we were shaking our little fists at him him and saying, leave me alone, you're not the boss of me, I'll do whatever I wanna do. It's in that moment that Jesus came to die for us because of his incredible love for each one of us. Romans 6.23 continues. It says, the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So eternal life, living forever with God, joining God's eternal family, however you wanna say that, is a free gift from God. We cannot earn it. We cannot earn it. We can only receive it. And Paul tells us how we can receive it in Romans 10, 9. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, what are we gonna be saved from? We're gonna be saved from God's eternal judgment. Paul says in Romans 2, 5, but because you are stubborn, and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. Let me give you a little clarity of what Paul's saying and he's not saying there. Paul is not saying that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. He is not saying that. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 9. He said, the world's sin, again, we've all sinned, that separates us from God. That's the big issue that has to be dealt with. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So those who refuse to believe in Jesus and what he's done for us will face God's judgment and will end up in a real place called hell. Again, God doesn't want that for anybody. That's why he sent Jesus to die in our place. But listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 18. He said, there is, what are those two next words? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, talking about himself. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved from God's eternal judgment and will receive eternal life. They will be saved from hell 
and saved for heaven forever. Now, Christ followers will still be judged, but it will be a different kind of judgment. We will not be judged based upon eternal death or eternal life because we are already given eternal life. Eternal life comes to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and recognize what he did on the cross for us. That is, again, the day of salvation for us in that moment. And in that moment, we are given the guarantee of eternal life. But the Apostle Paul describes the, the judgment that Christ followers will face in 2 Corinthians. It's something that's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And the Bema Seat of Christ is like an award ceremony. It's where we will be awarded for how we've lived like Jesus, and there will be rewards that will be withheld for how we did not live like Jesus. So, so again, Christ followers will be judged in how we've lived, but it'll be a very different judgment eternally than those who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 13 11 when he says, time is running out, so wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Again, the, the Apostle Paul wanted the Christians in Rome to wake up from confusion to clarity. He wanted them to know how to be saved from God's judgment. And that only happens when we receive God's free gift of eternal life by turning from our sins and declaring Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So the big question of the day is, have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you declared him the Lord of your life? I do not mean, do you believe in Jesus as a historical figure? I do not mean, have you been baptized? I do not mean, have you had some spiritual experience where you got goosebumps at a church service? I don't mean that. I mean, has there been a time in your life when you recognized, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need one. And I've, I, I'm asking him to be my personal Lord and Savior. If you've never done that before, you can do that today. Today can be your day of salvation. You could tune me out and have a conversation with God. You could tell him, I, I need you. I believe you died so I can live forever. And I confess my sin to you. I ask you to forgive my sin and be my Lord and my God. You can do that right now. And if you did, today would be your day of salvation. Now, let me be clear about something with that. Because sometimes there's a little confusion around that. That's a decision you only need to make one time in your life. One time. You make a decision one time to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you are adopted into God's eternal family. Now, there are Christ followers out there who believe that we can lose our salvation. When we behave poorly, they think that we lose our salvation, and then we have to get saved again. But you know what that makes salvation about? It makes salvation about works. It makes it about me. It makes it about what I can do. And scripture is very clear. I cannot earn it. We cannot earn it. It's not possible. We can only receive it. So let's not turn salvation into behavior management 
That's something that we can earn. It's about our belief in Jesus and what he has done on the cross for us. You only need to make that decision one time to be adopted into God's family. So today could be the day for you, for you to make that decision. If you make that decision today, would you please come tell me after the service? I've got a free gift that I would love to give you that can help you grow spiritually in your new relationship with God. Okay, is everybody still with me? You still here? Okay, if you're falling asleep a little bit, you were given some coffee grinds as you came in to help you wake up. And so just pour a little of these in your hand, pop them in your mouth, chew on them for the rest of the service, and I'm sure you will be awake maybe the rest of the day. So we are almost done. So another meaning of the Greek word, agiro, for wake up, is from inactivity to activity. And as you read through the book of Romans, you'll see Paul saying things like this. Wake up, Christians in Rome, and see what's happening around you. Don't just watch our world fall apart. Do something about it. Care about those people around you who will face God's judgment if they don't put their faith and trust in Jesus. Help them understand the truth of God and how to live that truth. So, my, my question for those of you who are Christ followers is, how are you doing at that? How are you doing at being awake from inactivity to activity? How are you doing at being spiritually alive and attuned to what's happening around us? Not where you're throwing accusations at the world because they're turning away from God, but how are you doing at seeing people in their eternal destinies that if they don't put their faith in Jesus, they're gonna stare into the eyes of a holy God, they're gonna give an account for their life, and they're gonna be sentenced to a real place called hell. Are your eyes open to that? Are my eyes open to that? Are you living like Jesus before people? Paul says in Romans 12.1, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So Paul's statement there is about right thinking and how right thinking can lead to right living. So our right thinking about us, about God, about the world around us can lead to us living the right way. And right living can lead people to Jesus. Like, I don't know if we understand the impact that our lives can have on people around us who are watching us all the time. If we live like Jesus, love like Jesus, care about people the way that Jesus does, then our actions just might lead someone to Jesus. And that is the greatest gift that we could ever give anyone. That's the greatest thing that we could do for anybody, for all of eternity, is to lead them to Jesus and introduce them to the Savior of the world who could be their Savior. That's the greatest thing that we could do. It is better than giving someone $10 billion. Anybody like $10 billion? I would love that. I'd love to be able to give that to somebody. But Jesus is better. Why? Because $10 billion will run out one day. Jesus never will. 
And here's a reality we need to fully embrace. And I am embracing this more and more the older I get. Here's the truth. Life is short. Eternity is forever. Life is short. Life is very short. But eternity is a long time. And the decisions that we make in this short life will affect us forever. So the decisions that we make about Jesus are critically important. They won't just affect us for for maybe 50 years or 80 years or 90 years of our lives here. They will affect us forever. Life is short. Eternity is forever. Now, not only do we need to live like Jesus in front of people, we need to tell people about Jesus with our words and help them understand his truth. We need to have spiritual conversations with people. We need need to know how to lead people to Jesus and and how to help them understand biblical truth. And that's what I think Paul was talking to the, the Christians in Rome about. He was saying, hey, you need to understand this so that you can share it with other people as well. And if you're not sure how to do that, not sure how to dive into scripture and navigate some of that, I have some resources on our spiritual growth challenge that can help you do that. And it's just a one-page document you can pick up in our lobby. We make available on our, um, through our uh, comment section. There's a link in the comment section for those online as well. That It'll just take you a little bit deeper in what we're learning on Sunday. And if you commit to learning how to lead someone to Jesus... You can learn a whole lot in a short amount of time if you'll just make that commitment. So some of us don't really know how to do that. We need to learn. But others of us, we know how to do that. And the question is, are we? Are we helping people around us understand how to have a relationship with Jesus? Or have we fallen asleep at the wheel? Are we asleep at the wrong time? Are we too distracted by what's happening in our world? Or worse, Do we care? Do we care about what's happening or what will happen to people around us who don't know Jesus? You know, for me, there are moments I'm asleep at the wheel. There are moments I'm not paying attention well enough to what's happening around me. There are moments I am distracted. There are moments I'm too busy. There are moments that I miss the opportunity to help someone take a step towards God because I'm too wrapped up in my own world. So even I need to wake up spiritually and look around me and see the the many opportunities that God puts around us every day to help someone take a step towards Christ or cross that bridge of, of faith with Christ. We have a lot of opportunities for that. Years ago, my dad had a friend that he wanted to lead to Jesus. And he was compelled to do this, but he was hesitant. He, he didn't want, really want to be seen as the Jesus freak. He didn't want to push his friend away. And so he, he hesitated on sharing his faith with his friend. Until one day, my dad shared his faith with his friend. And his friend put his faith and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior in that day. And that day became his day of salvation. That was great. But that friend asked my dad a question that haunted him the rest of his life. That friend asked my dad, he said, Art, what took you so long to tell me about Jesus? If I would have died, I would have spent forever in hell. What took you so long? That is a haunting question 
That question haunts me. That question should haunt all of us. That question should motivate us to not hesitate, but to look for opportunities to lovingly help someone take a step towards Christ. So if you are a Christ follower, who around you do you know who's not a Christ follower, who's not put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Will you pray for them? Will you live like Jesus in front of them? Will you look for every opportunity that you can to have a spiritual conversation with them to potentially lead them to Jesus? People around us desperately need Jesus, and God has placed us around them so that they can at least hear about him and possibly get to know him. So again, if you want to learn more about that, how to share your faith with other people, Pick up a copy of our Spiritual Growth Challenge before you leave. I've got some great resources there that can help all of us. Now, we're going to close in a song in just a minute called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And in the Bible, the altar was a place for doing business with God. It was a place for confessing sin. It was a place for begging God's help in a situation where someone was desperate. The altar, again, was a place for doing business with God. And we're going to end today in a little different way than what we typically do. We're going to turn a middle school cafeteria stage into an altar, a place where we can do business with God. So if you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, during this song, you're invited to come to the altar, come up to the edge of this stage. If you need to confess sin to God, you're invited to come to the altar. If you're desperate for God to work in your life and someone else's life, you're invited to come to the altar. Someone will be up here. I'll be here in this section. Jake will be over here. I think Sharon will be on this side. If you want to pray with someone, just come up to any one of us. If you want to pray by yourself, that's fine. Pray by, pray by yourself. But if you need to do business with God, during this song, I want to invite you to come forward. Now, let me be clear. You don't have to come forward to do business with God. You can do business with God right in your own seat. You can turn that middle school cafeteria table that's flipped into a bench into an altar. And you can do business with God right here, right now. If you're watching online, you can do business with God in front of whatever device that you have that you're watching us through. So you don't have to come forward. But here's what I found in my life and what I found for a lot of people Sometimes we need to do something physical to engage something spiritual. Like we could stay in our seats and we could do business with God and everything could be fine. But for some of us, maybe what God's saying is, hey, you need to step forward. You need to have a moment of declaration. You need to have a moment of public desperation for me to work in your life. And maybe that's for you. Maybe it's not. But if you need to come forward during this song, you're invited to do that. So if you would stand with me. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. God, I thank you for the relevance of Scripture. Lord, as I read Scripture that was written several thousand years ago, it feels like it was written today for us. Paul was writing several thousand years ago to the Christians in Rome and other Christians around that area to wake up spiritually 
to wake up to salvation, to wake up to helping other people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that's the same message we need to hear today. Some of us Christ followers, we're asleep. We're asleep at the wheel. We're too distracted. We're too busy. Maybe we don't know what to do. Maybe we don't care about the world around us. But God, you care. And you've asked us to wake up and look around us and see people who desperately need Jesus and to live like Jesus in front of them and to look for opportunities to have spiritual conversation and open our mouths to learn how to do that. So Lord, I pray that you would guide us in how to do that. Help us to see those opportunities and fill our mouths with the words that we need to share Christ with others. And Lord, today just might be someone's day of salvation. Someone might be here saying, I need you, Jesus. Lord, I love the reality that you know all of our hearts and you hear that person, you see that person, you know that person. So I pray right now, they would declare you as their Lord and Savior. They would ask you to forgive their sins and they would join your family today. Thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to come to the altar to do business with you. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.